Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Trent McIntyre is an inspiring individual, and to me... He's an example of how one can overcome limitations with determination and a creative spark. Born with a mild form of cerebral palsy, Trent experienced pain and stiffness every day from the time he was a child. Now, this limited his ability to play sports, which he truly loved, and it also made it more difficult for him to read and do schoolwork. From that, he went on to study many forms of movement science, and in time, he figured out how to repair his own body. And this then, this breakthrough really enabled Trent to play sports, and he eventually moved on to become a professional dancer, performing on stages throughout the country and abroad. Now, Trent has developed this new program called Fire Up Your Brain for Kids, and today we're going to dive into how this program can help your child increase brain performance, enabling them to be at their best in the classroom and on the field. Trent, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here, Jerry. I'm super excited to dive into this topic. You know, I've been watching a bunch of the videos online and, and seeing people tossing a ball around and, and just looks like a lot of a lot of fun. So I'm sure we have a lot of fun today. Yeah. Fun is actually the first rule of the game. So that's that's <laughs> always required. <laughs> yeah, especially when we're talking about about kids, right? I have teenagers and you know, one of the things that that was told to me by another guest on my show who mentors a lot of teens in entrepreneurship is if it's not fun, you've lost them. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, tell me, do you, you have family of your own? Yeah, yeah. I'm married and I have uh, two daughters, both teenagers, 17 and 19. And actually, I, I play this game with both of them and try to empower them to play their own game by themselves to give them some support, especially in these like technology-driven, overwhelming days that we're living in. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Yeah, Zoom fatigue is, is going to be in the, the dictionary, I think, pretty soon. Well, I'd love to dive back, you know, a little bit to your school experience and kind of curious, like, what was your school experience like, like growing up? The, the thing was the most challenging is that uh, reading was always very hard for me. And, you know, when I was really young, I remember we moved school districts in the first grade and I ended up failing first grade because my reading was so far behind because the, the old school was at a different place than the new school. And that's kind of what it what it was for a long time it was just i was behind because i started in a different kind of situation and the new school was more advanced but as it turned out as i learned later on in my life that my eyes just didn't work well together they didn't coordinate so reading literally was the hardest thing for me to do because my two eyes didn't want to look at the same spot on the page at the same time and what would happen is i'd get one or two sentences in and just fall asleep because it was overwhelming for my brain to have both eyes not seeing the same thing so it's just like the, the effort itself was was quite yeah it was like like a workout really yeah, exactly it wasn't the the ability or or literacy I mean I could read I knew I knew what it said it just the physicality and the the, the chemical reaction in my brain was like that's 
that's too much. And so then I hated to read and it got in the, it really got in the way of potential in school early on for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot to go through. And even to start, you know, as you said, starting your your school journey, being told that you're behind, right? And, and all the messaging that that tells a, a young child. So as you mentioned, you know, so you had some some challenges with, with reading and whatnot. And then, and even just with, with sports, you mentioned that's something that they really enjoy doing, but there were challenges yeah, there too. Yeah, I, I was always athletic, but... You know, I was born with a class one cerebral palsy. So basically that's that's having a head injury at birth. And so it's something that as a class one, you wouldn't know by looking at me. And there are a lot of people that have a class one, you wouldn't know by looking at them that they had that head injury at birth. And so it's something that I didn't have a diagnosis. I wasn't told as a child. I just had all this restriction, but I was athletic. So I would just kind of like power through, even though it felt terrible and I would be sore and could barely move and it was so tight that I couldn't even touch, reach down and touch my knees, let alone, you know, touch the floor or something like that. And because there wasn't a diagnosis, I never had this label. And that turned out to be a really huge gift because when I found dance, that was something that felt good for the first time because there was so much stretching. And even though I had a lot of limitations, it felt like, wow, this is really, this is really good in my body and I can be an athlete. You know, it was like two things kind of coming together. And it wasn't until I got to a level when I went to college that I was dancing at a very high level doing really advanced work with world-renowned choreographers and I could barely walk in the morning. And I would hobble to the shower and have so much pain from the knees down and just didn't have any idea as to why it was such a problem. And I went home for the holidays and was just kind of complaining to my mom, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm so tight from my knees down. I could barely move and I'm hobbling to the shower and I don't get it. And she looked at me and she was like, well, Trent, that's because you were born with cerebral palsy. And I was like, what? Hello? And I was 19 <laughs> and for the first time being told this, what? <laughs> wow. I missed the memo. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, don't you remember when you were three and you, you, were, um, you had casts on your legs? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I do now that you mention it, but I don't know what that was related to. And what they had done is they'd cast my heels to the floor because I walked on the balls of my feet and I didn't have the range to be able to put my heels down. So that was one of the side effects. And so when I went into dancing, there was so much leg work. You required ankle and leg work so much that it just, the compensations caught up to me. Wow. But as you said, it, it turned out in some ways to, to be a gift because then you didn't see that as a limitation or that you had something that would would limit you you could just kind of fight through but eventually it did create a limitation at the end as you reach to the kind of this peak level of performance in, in dance where there's little margin right um in trying to be the best so you know give, given that from what i've read about you you know that kind of sounds sounds like that really motivated you to understand more what was going on there and and try to to address the you know, the challenges you were facing physically so tell us more about that yeah, yeah. So that was where I really dove into all the movement sciences and looked at how I could use any resource that was free because I was a college student. I couldn't afford pizza, let alone hiring somebody to, for any kind of movement therapies to just explore what works in my body. And so I did a lot of trial and error and ended up coming up with exercises to rehab my own body. That rehab process was basically being my own physio and exploring what works, what doesn't work, what makes it worse, what makes it better. And in the end, I came out with a program for myself that could keep me dancing and I could go on to dance professionally. And that process of going through really was all about the brain. Now, at the time, I didn't really know 
that's what I was doing. I wasn't I wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm going to have a career in brain performance and I'm going to help kids with their focus issues and the struggles they have with school and technology. And, you know, science hadn't really been publishing regular works about the brain. And so I just continued my work and eventually started helping other clients. And, and it really came down to repatterning movements and repatterning the brain to create healthier situations for people's bodies. And then some books would come out and I'm reading them. I'm like, I should really know this stuff about the brain. And I'm reading it going, wait, this is exactly what I'm doing. And I have been doing since I rehabbed my own injury. And wow. it just gave me that, that aha moment, right? That validation, right? That, yeah, you were on, you were on the right track. Perhaps that it wasn't just something that could help you, but, but it could help a lot of other people. Yeah, and it's, there's something amazing about being able to work one-on-one -on -one with somebody to get the kind of care that you might need to kind of problem solve for your situation. But for a long time, I've been sort of fantasizing about how can I take this and make it accessible for more people? Because I know as a kid, if I had, if I had this game of brain speed ball as a kid, it would have been huge. It would have been an amazing tool to be able to overcome the challenges of reading. And so and what, why is that? What, I mean, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So first, you, you know, you're talking about, let's talk about the game a little bit itself and like what that is. And then let's, let's tie it into how that could help with something like Rick reading. So the game is a simple game of catch and you're, you're playing a game of catch with this ball that has letters and numbers on it. And certainly I'm not the first person to put letters and numbers on a ball, but what I'm doing is I'm gamifying sensory training. It's all, it comes down to talking to the brain in a language that it understands. And when you're playing the game and you're tracking the ball as it comes into your hands, you spot what's on the ball and then you say it out loud. So it's that sensing where it is, how to catch it, deciding what to do about it, and then acting on it. So that sense, decide, act, that's the normal cycle that's happening in our brain when we take in information through our senses. And that's the cycle that you're tapping into. So when you want to make, when you want to improve brain performance and how the brain processes and how efficient it is and how well it can show up to whatever task you're doing, that's the cycle we want to tap into. And with reading, it's visual, right? So you're, you're using your eyes to track words on a page. So it's, it's all tracking side to side to side to side over and over and over and over and over again. So if your eyes have weaknesses and imbalances, that sensory input to the brain is inefficient and sends poor communication. And the brain's like, I don't like that. We're going to want to avoid that. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. So is it kind of like taking the, the brain to the gym in a sense, right? Like just kind of building up those reps, building up those muscles, giving it creating a more fit brain so that when it's trying to tackle things like reading, it's like, no problem, I got this. Yeah, I already know how to do this. Exactly. Yeah. Tracking isn't an issue. I can already coordinate together and, and track words on the page. So yeah, it's very much like exercise for your brain. And, you know, back to what we said earlier, that, that fun factor is really important because that's, that's the big difference. You know, I, I, I get a lot of clients that I see for group work or one-on-one -on -one or just friends that I'm helping that have been division therapists. They've been given really valuable tools, but none of them are fun. <laughs> they, they, they hate them. They don't want to do them. They don't want to do their homework because it's not fun. Yeah, no, I know. I get it. Right. And, and so then therefore, you know, the, any potential benefits are, are lost. And I wonder too, there might even be like a, a side effect of, well, if this is supposed to help me with something like reading and I'm not enjoying this thing, well, it's going to make the, the thought of even reading even worse. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that I'm a big proponent for testing. I like to have a before and after test. And I, I really think it's a way for you to, to tap into understanding what changes have happened. Whenever you're doing a before and after test, I would encourage everyone to focus on something that isn't the most challenging thing. So like if reading is the hardest thing for your child to do, don't make reading their before and after test. Pick something that they love. 
So if they're an athlete, measure how fast they run, then play the game, and then measure how fast they run again. And you can, you can actually improve the speed in just a few minutes of playing the game. Because that brain processing power, yeah, it's really, it's really incredible. And that's why, that's why I encourage the before and after testing, because I can tell you that, and you can be like, really? I don't really understand how that, how, how that works, Trent. <laughs> and that's why I, I encourage the testing, because I've just seen so many scenarios. You know, I, we have um, a young lady that I worked with. Her mom brought her to me uh, really for sensory integration issues. And she is something that's been a struggle for her whole life. And she was born this way, and she just is like always looking for something to find just a little better edge to live on, you know, a little better quality of life. And so I said, well, I don't want to, I don't want to make it about her label or her condition or her sensory issues, if you will, right? So what does she love to do? Well, she loves to dance. I'm like, okay, let's make it about dance. So she brought her in. I said, you know, to her, like, what do you, to the young lady, what does your dance teacher tell you that she wants you to improve on? Well, she thinks I need to jump higher. Okay, well, show me your jumps. And so she does them across the floor and it's like, great, let's play this game. And so then I, I play the game, throwing the ball back and forth, asking her to track it and saying it out loud and making it fun. And we're both laughing and making it challenging. And then I'm like, okay, try your jumps again. And she's jumping higher, her head's up and she's smiling and she's like, uh, that was fun. What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, what's amazing is, I mean, that was just what a few minutes of tossing the ball around and yeah, already, less than five. Yeah. I was just thinking back to this past weekend. Uh, my son, David, who's 14, we hadn't, he hadn't played, hadn't played baseball like since last, last year. And with COVID, he hardly ever played it even then. Right. And so we went to the, the ball field, I'm tossing it and he's, he's having some difficulty, you know, trying to coordinate and, and hit the ball. And I'm thinking, Hmm, be interesting if we were to try, you know, him trying again, if we were to go like this upcoming weekend and try it again before and after with this technique, I wonder, I'd be fascinated to see uh, what the yeah. difference would be. Yeah, this, this really crosses over into the work that I do with athletes. So with, you know, so just since you're talking about your son playing baseball, for athletes, you have an opportunity to work sport specific angles and speeds and dynamics that are unique to the sport they're playing. So for that baseball player, if you're talking about him hitting, yeah, you have to be able to track the ball with both eyes from the side because you're not standing facing the ball, you're standing sideways. And so your eyes have to be strong to a certain angle and also coordinate. And so if, if you're not seeing the ball well with both eyes, then when you swing, you're going to miss because you're actually not seeing where the ball is in space. You know, so yeah, that, that's a really fun one. You can just, you can just have him hit, hit 25 balls, play the game, hit another 25 balls. And you'll have real data on how you're improving. And the fun thing is that if there's no improvement, typically what's happening is the game isn't challenging enough. It's something where when people play, they want to catch the ball every time. And, and that perfection kind of kicks in like, oh, I've got to do this right. And doing it right means catching it every time. But really, it's about setting that perfection aside and knowing that actually, if you're catching it every time, the game is too easy. Dropping it once in a while sparks the brain to respond in a really natural way and get engaged and keep it fun. And, and so especially if you're playing with him, you know, you can play too. So it's not just you as his instructor, but you actually both playing the game, both dropping the ball and laughing. No, I really, I really like that. And it, it kind of dovetails into um, something else I'm kind of curious about is you had mentioned, you know, this is a way to also help keep the brain more interested in, in learning new skills, which, you know, as, as part of, you know, learning and education is constant, not just in the school, but really in life. So I'd love to learn more about that. That's really the second rule. Fun is the first rule. We talked about that. And this, you're, you're talking to creativity now. This is where if you can keep it fresh, it feels new. It feels like the brain is willing to do it because it doesn't feel like it's stale and old. 
you have more access to comply with what's going on naturally because it feels good. Oh, this is new. This is interesting. This is different. If you, if you did the same thing over and over and over again, it no longer feels new and fresh. And so the brain loses interest. You just, you don't really have to engage with it to learn something new. So if you keep it creative, and in fact, we encourage the kids to come up with their own games. You know, the, the program teaches you all the games you need to use to get started, but then the coaching is come up with your own game and then come up with another one and then teach your friends and your family because that whole teaching someone else also reinforces it for you and makes you more willing and acceptable to, to play the game yourself and find it as a resource. So would you say then that that kind of translates into other aspects of life is by incorporating more variety and, and experimenting and trying things we're more apt to be that same way in, in other other aspects? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think sometimes when it comes to education, there's this idea that that carries into your whole life where like you take a course or a program and you're supposed to get an A in that whole program, right? <laughs> but the reality is that there might be a nugget as an adult, if you take a program, there might be a six week program you're taking, but there's one nugget that just sparks everything for you. You didn't have to get an A in everything, but you connected to something that made that, I was like, oh, that's fresh. That's really helpful. I can carry that right into my life and it's worth the cost of admission for that course to be there. So it's part of life. It's a natural connection for sure. And so then in terms of the actual program, and it, you may have covered this in, in depth enough, but I just want to make sure that, that we've gotten that. So so for this Fire Up Your Brain program, can you maybe just kind of walk through it from kind of A to Z, what exactly it, would, it looks like? Yeah, sure. So it's it's online, so it's easy, but also it's not meant to be an online game. So the online is instructions to get you off the computer and go playing the game. So just make that really clear. <laughs> We're all excited <laughs> yeah. to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So the program comes with the ball, and then you have access to the the video streaming platform that I have. And so that's like watching Netflix, where it keeps track of your progress. You start watching videos, and you stop, and you leave and come back. It'll know exactly where you left off. And then we have some downloads and things so that kids can, and parents, can watch the videos, learn how to play very quickly, and then learn how to in include it into their life. That's the main thing is like, here's how to play, here's the, here are the rules, and if you're hitting these rules of fun, creativity, and challenge, those are the three main rules, and you're, you're tracking that ball, it's gonna help you. And then go make up your own games. And then you're not alone. So you're also connected to the Fight for Brain community, which includes other people that have been playing the ball for a while, people that are brand new, and myself. So you can ask questions and, and know that if you get stuck or you have a particular situation or you just have a really quite a good question that you want answered, you have access to that. So it's really about getting all, everything you need, the ball, the training to get you offline and playing the game and then support afterwards. And as you said, it sounds like it's, we're not, we're not talking like some in-depth thing where you're going to be watching hours and hours of stuff and, you know, having to learn tons of things. It's, it's very, it's very simple, easy to apply and, and you can get results, you know, literally with, within minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, what's fun. And that's actually one of the challenges that I enjoy about it. It's like, like really I can in like three minutes or five minutes, Trent, I'm like, yeah, you play the game and it's, it's amazing. I'm just as surprised as you are because I run experiments all the time, like just to see what can we get to happen and everybody's situation is different. So it's like, let's just, we're all doing the research. We're, brain science is so new that let's not pretend we know everything about brain science, but I think if we can, we can all be researchers to discover what's possible. And yeah, it's not hours and hours. It's a, it's a few minutes online to get you into the swing of things so you can incorporate the game and make it a natural part of your life. What kids would you, would you say would benefit most from a program like this? Like who's it best suited for if there is such a thing? 
it's hard to say best, but I'll tell you, it's school, there's so many issues around school and homework, whether it, it's coming from the nature of how schools are built and the outdated systems that, that are kind of getting in the way. And if it's the technology, I know for my daughter doing her school online, she showed me turning in one assignment. It took 12 steps and three software programs to turn in one assignment. And if you're not able to manage all of that steps, that's just an impossible barrier. So, you know, it could be the fact that the kids are struggling with school for many different reasons, but that's a huge one because that's where a lot of their self-worth comes out of how successful they are in school. That's their life. That's everything. That's their whole world. And so, you know, whether they're in school or homeschooled or whatever the situation is, having access to a tool that not only helps your brain perform, but also helps you to lower your stress. You know, we haven't talked about that, but that's a huge, huge side effect of of integrating your sensory system and coordinating your physiological systems is that kids can regulate themselves. So who is this best for? Every kid who needs help regulating themselves slash every kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so it can even like not only help with processing things, but but in some ways like just deal with like emotional like build up like stress and, and whatnot just to help yeah. be like a release yeah. valve. Yeah, big mood shifts. You know, if you, we have some really wonderful occurrences that have happened in preschool classrooms where kids maybe are in a bad mood and they're acting out. And I've seen the teacher use the ball as a group activity and it just calms everybody down and gets them back to being grounded and they can move on with their day. It just takes a few minutes and it's not a, a reprimand and you're bad. They're just, they need help regulating. They're, they're dysregulated and they need help calming down. And this is a, a tool for teachers who who don't have time, they don't have extra time, they don't have another 20 minutes to take set aside for a particular situation that, that boils up, but they can make it a game for the whole class. And I've seen teachers even make it strategic so they know if they have something challenging they're about to go through, they'll use the ball first, and then go through the challenging thing to sort of <laughs> set the stage. Right, kind of preempt any any potential challenges. Well, that, that was actually something I was gonna ask about is the timing of, of using the you know the technique so, you know, if you've got someone who's at home all day doing whatever, four, six hours of Zoom classes, and then, you know, homework on top of that, how would you recommend they incorporate it in their, in their day? Yeah, I would do it as the first thing before your, your first engagement. So whatever Zoom class you have, do three to five minutes before you get on your Zoom call. And then, you know, helping kids tune into when they're feeling stressed and overwhelmed from how much online and how much computer work they're doing. It's like, when you feel that, that's time for a break and you grab the ball during your break. And you could grab your lunch, be eating your lunch and playing the game, take a few bites. You know, it's just built into your day. So it's really about before you're having an, an experience of school or stress or whatever challenges you have. And then when you feel yourself in the moment, like, man, I have a headache, my eyes are strained. That's when you grab the ball and you take your five minute break, grab a snack, play the game. So you can just reconnect your systems. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we pretty much cover everything that I had in my list here. Is there is there anything else be really helpful for parents to know or things you, something else you'd like to share? I, I thought I'd just share a story from a mom that I talked to in Chicago. It's a story that I like to tell because it, it really speaks to what can change in a family dynamic when kids are empowered this way. So the, this mom actually got the ball for herself and she brought it home, she inflated it and she put it on the counter and kind of left it there. And her daughter found it, who's 13. And started playing the game by herself, unprovoked, and for the first time in her life, could sit and do homework. And the mom called me to tell me the story. I didn't know the mom. She had gotten the ball from somebody else, right? So I didn't, I didn't know her, and she's like, 
you have to understand like what this has done for my family dynamic because our whole household is always stressed. The level of pressure is super high and it's miserable because of the fight around homework constantly, every day, day in and day out. And it's gone because she can sit and do her homework now. It's, and it's amazing. So this isn't a big hurdle for kids to get over. They don't have to learn something that's super hard and conceptually difficult. It's all ages can just, you just play the ball. Kids know how to bounce a ball off a wall. They know how to catch it. And you don't have to have a big skill or be an athlete to be able to do it. Because like I said, dropping it's good because your body is learning how to use the senses to, to catch it better and to figure out how to maneuver around that. So I just, I just want you know, kids and parents to know that it's, it's simple, it's easy, it's within their reach. It's not one more thing as a parent. Like there's always one more thing we have to put on our plate and manage and oversee and make sure. And this is not one of those things. This is like unlock it and let them go. And it's kind of beautiful that way. Yeah, I think that's, wow, I'm getting chills just thinking about that, that family and, and what, it's, what it's done for them. You know, and, and as, as you've shared, it's really a low risk proposition for people to, to give this a try and, and with potential huge results. So I definitely want to get one for my, my family. So <laughs> where can I and, and other parents uh, check this out? My website is fireupyourbrain.com. And I would actually invite everyone to, to join the Ask Trent program that I have. It's a free program and you just get notifications for when I go live and you have a way to submit questions and engage with the community. So if you go to fireupyourbrain.com and you, you go to the Ask Trent section, you can just put in your information and you'll get notifications so that you can be engaged. If you don't have a ball, if you've had a ball for a long time, you're welcome in that space to better understand how to, how to leverage it and get the most out of it. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Trent, and obviously really uh, insightful, and, and I trust we'll, we'll support a lot of families on their, their journey, especially right now with, with COVID and everything. I think this could bring a, be a real light in, in the world for, for a lot of families out there. So thanks so much for what you've done, how you've taken you know, what was once a, a challenge in your own life, overcame that, and, and now have used that to serve so many others. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been really a pleasure to be here.